Welcome to Podcast 1999, the podcast about Space 1999. I'm your host, Mark. I'm Matt. We're just going. We're I'm Brian. Name. Yep, we're on a first name basis us. today. With us is first name basis guest Brian. That's right. And we're gonna, <laughs> and we're going to first name. We're also on. We're on a no name basis with today's aliens. That, that's true. So you mean we male alien and female call- alien? <laughs> Indeed. Should we call this episode war then? I mean, do you you hear the word war in it more than you hear the <laughs> names of any of the God, aliens. That's true. Uh, no one declares yeah, war. War games. What is it good for? Pushing the Broderick. Scaring people Making away inner... from your planet. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking about the, the movie and, and the John Lennon song and that but, sort of stuff. But the question is. If you're trying to scare people, then is it ethical for you to complain about how much fear they sense? Because you're literally trying to scare them. Yeah. Or just <laughs> one of the many deep questions this episode poses. That's <laughs> more like a dissuasion, you know? So I don't know. Uh, you want to trivia us up on war games then? Yeah, it's a little trivia. It. it. This was the 17th episode in production order, but the fourth one to air. It was packaged along with a pilot breakaway for the TV movie Alien Attack, which was originally intended for theatrical release. You may recall that I kept erroneously referring to it as its own thing on earlier episodes of this podcast. Uh, Retraction printed. Retraction. Retracted. Uh, This was the second most expensive episode of the entire series behind Breakaway. Not just because it was effects heavy and brought back Martin Bower to design several ships. Uh, It also reused footage from several previous episodes and nuclear test stock footage, but also because of the expensive costume designs and because there was an aberration in the special effects filming equipment that went unnoticed for weeks. Uh, I could not find anything more specific, but that apparently cost them a lot of money. Uh, you might notice a shift in the score. This episode makes frequent use of a piece by Australian composer Michael Hankinson titled The Astronauts during the battle scenes. Uh, today's director is Charles Greiton, who has two more on deck this season. You last saw his work in Death's Other Dominion and on writing duties, again, Christopher Penfold, along with the Andersons. He also has two coming up this season, and they're the same two as Crichton. Uh, this week's guest stars are billed only as male alien and female alien. You might notice that they never face each other in the episode. That's because they were unable to do the scenes without cracking up at each other's makeup. Uh, Isla Blair plays the female alien. She was born in 1944 in Bangalore, India, and has had a long acting career. You can find her in Mrs. Caldecott's Cabbage War, The Darling Buds of May, and Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. She's still active today, and her most recent credit is voicing a character in 2023's Diablo 4. Uh, she's also married to Julian Glover, who you might remember as Jarek from the episode Alpha Child. But most importantly, she will return in the season two episode of Space 1999, also billed as Female Alien. We will soon see if it is the same female alien. 
uh, as the male alien, we have Anthony Valentine. He was born in 1939 in Blackburn, Lancashire, England. He started as a child actor and took up roles until his death in 2015. You can find him in Shuggington, The Way to Dusty Death, and The Flesh and the Fiends. He will not be returning as male alien. That's it. When you said you can find him in, I thought you were about to tell me like where his gravesite was for some reason, not the movies he was in. His grave is in all of those movies. <laughs> That'd be funny, right? They just, they, they, there's like a list of movies that used his grave as a prop. Yeah, yeah. I toss I, in a little bit more on that, um, Ilsa. Oh, go ahead, please. Uh, you probably saw it in the credits, but um, she had a very brief role as the wife of Julian Glover's character in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That's right. You I blink, you miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I missed it. I watched that yesterday because my daughter wanted to see Indiana Jones. <laughs> Only you had known. Could have said, hey, it's that alien. Well, I definitely picked up one. Hey, it's Jarek, you know, so. Yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> it was, I'd never yeah, done that while enough. watching that before, so. Um, I will, I'll tell you a tale of some war games. As Moonbase Alpha drifts towards a habitable world, their hails are answered by a fleet of Earth-made Hawk warships. The Hawks wreak havoc on the Moonbase, killing almost half of its inhabitants. Commander Koenig and crew realize that the damage will soon make the Moonbase uninhabitable and that they must escape to the aggressor planet. Koenig and Dr. Russell head for the planet to try and broker a truce while the surviving Alphans prepare to abandon the Moonbase. On the planet, Dr. Russell ends up in a glass cage to commune with the aliens while Koenig takes off in his eagle. This planet is a utopia without fear, but the humans' innate fear will shatter the balance of the planet and destroy their civilization. In fact, the cataclysmic attacks on the moon base were not from the aliens themselves, but manifestations of the aliens' own fears. Koenig's fears end up destroying his eagle, and he ends up drifting in space with his oxygen supply vanishing, which allows him to conquer his fear of death. Dr. Russell cannot abide this and uses the alien's powers of mind to break Koenig back as he was, fears and all. Koenig manifests these fears into a single blaster shot, which snowballs and ends up destroying the alien civilization. A couple of wavy lines, and we're back to pre-attack Alpha. Turns out this was all a mind experiment of what could happen. The aliens hail Alpha and tell them to stay away as hard as they can while the Alphans pass by the planet somewhat befuddled. The end. They aren't the only ones. Yeah, yeah. this this to me is, it feels like the peak of the series because it's kind of the best and the worst impulses of the series (laughs) intertwined. I mean, when I say the best, obviously I'm talking about the effects and the look of everything. And really the aliens look cool. Even if they, they couldn't help but laugh at each other. <laughs> I kind of wanted really to really good. Pick at their third eye, though. You know, didn't you just feel oh. the urge to kind of pick at it? With yeah, <laughs> but but then the writing is so yeah. obtuse. And if the aliens were weren't afraid, then why did they do all that stuff? Or if people, if if humans, if the humans weren't afraid of anything, then that means they wouldn't be a threat. Because I don't think that's the case really you know? it gives you something uh, to think about 
See, that, that's the weird yeah. metaphysical drivel that I, I kind of enjoy. I, I like this is the sort of things I think about when the lights are out at, you know, up at night, late at night. But this is the opposite of, I don't want to say modern, 90s. It's the opposite of 90s Star Trek, where 90s Star Trek over and over again, it's like the lack of emotions is something that you should be worried about. And this is the flip side of that, where emotions are the source of everything, of every problem. And I mean, I guess we're dealing with that now where people are afraid of AI, even though AI is nowhere near like uh, the level. Or is it? It's tricking it's you. No, it's it's yeah, right. They're afraid of the label more than the actual AI. <laughs> they call it AI. Yeah, it's that thing we're, we're supposed not, to be scared of. Yeah, we're not. We're, we need much more powerful computers to, to really mimic human intelligence all that well. But uh, we're doing chatbots. Chatbots are good. Good chatbots coming out. Good chatbots. You know uh aggregations of material but you know it's um yeah it's it's it doesn't sit with me super well it's like fear is the the biggest problem because yeah we've all dealt with people who are terrible because they are afraid of things they don't understand or they don't know like you know that's the source of a lot of bigotry a lot of bigotry is just people who are greedy and and mean <laughs> you know what i mean uh yeah although the, for this one uh everyone seems biased against the humans because it seems like humans like intergalactically suck mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what the fourth planet is yeah. like, for someone god stay away please someone put out a memo about us i don't know <laughs> <laughs> this is like there's you know, no the, the aerial people were like stay the heck away from us here we'll def- we'll 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 you know, to fuck you with this atmosphere that you can use, um, and and so on. It's like somehow, somehow there's some sort of um, intergalactic Twitter or something that these people are just <laughs> exchanging gossip on us all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like no room at the manger over and over again. So like this maybe is like maybe this is <laughs> first impressions are important. I mean, think about the news that's passing about this. If if uh, back in um, what was it where the three ship voyagers returned? If if they did like blow up that complete alien civilization, you know, word gets around. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's basically that one German's fault. It's yeah, all it's Ernst like, Kohler's fault, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So um, well, at least he blew himself up. Yeah. Um, it doesn't 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 help anymore. <laughs> Nobody heard he blew himself up. Although you were talking about the uh, this being the opposite of 90 sci-fi, but probably because we just got through it on the Voyager rewatch. But Year of Hell, this felt a little bit like that. (laughs) I suppose so. Uh, Um, Trippy aliens in that case, they were, you know, they have to be more Star Trek. So it's like weird, tiny, wimey science stuff, whereas this is more like weird powers of the mind and manifestation, which is, I guess, a 70s, you know, new age trip. But. But but also Year of Hell was the entire thing was driven by a guy who was overly emotional. He was like, I want my wife back. I want my I want my planet back. That's, these aliens are just like, get out of here. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure there's a Voyager episode where people were just like, get get out of here, you gross aliens. But I don't remember <laughs> specifically off the top of my head. But yeah, for, for this one, I mean, the aliens have a relatively logical purpose they run the numbers and um 
Koenig's going to blow up their entire planet. So, you know, it's not like they're wrong. Well, uh, but would Koenig have blown up their entire planet if they hadn't have blown him up in the first place? Because he did go down there specifically to ask for peace. I'm not saying that these guys are like Federation level ethical, but yeah, I, I don't think that he would have. It, he didn't shoot anybody until like the very end of all this stuff that happened and they, they killed him, blew up his ship, killed 128 people, yeah. 131 people. So they were the aggressors. Yeah. By, so it's just, it's, it's, measure. I, but it all I comes guess, down to that who fires the first shot, basically. Yeah. I guess the Eagles fought the fired the first shot, but they were facing against warships. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it, it's just, really feels like it crumbles pretty quickly that the logic of this but considering it, it is logical aliens doing it that that makes it kind of hard so the planet's a giant brain i, I guess we can <laughs> assume that that extends somewhat around the planet so because i i was definitely reading it as and the alphans basically attacks themselves because of the properties of this area of space well, we're getting like, into the question of like, was this an alternate timeline that we peeked into or was this purely illusion? Because some things play out very strangely. If it's just something that happened inside of Russell's and Koenig's head, we saw, you know, third person perspective. We saw, you know, Victor's final speech, which I thought was pretty cool little speech. Um, yeah. <laughs> all these things that were not taking place in their presence. And so it lends to the theory that, yeah, this either was something that was relayed into their mind briefly or 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 they just was pure pure synthesized you know stuff but it it, did so it makes the episode so utterly confusing it's like well how am i supposed to read this (laughs) which way am i (laughs) supposed to take this there's a reason the episode has kind of a split um you know mixed uh mixed reactions to it because some think oh it's the epitome of you know the metaphysical trippiness of space 1999 people say no it's just weirdly plotted and doesn't make a lot of sense (laughs) Yeah, it did. Uh, I would have hated it if it was it it felt for a second like it was going to be that Koenig was just imagining this whole scenario and then changed decided not to fire on the ships, which would have made me mad, but it also would have kind of made more sense than aliens beamed this into your head. It would have made more sense if everyone on the base kind of had that moment of like did something just happen, you know, but apparently only Helena and Koenig had that moment. And then Helena yeah. forgot it like a dream. It seemed like, oh, I remember it. But then a minute later, she's like, wait, actually, I don't. Yeah, so. talking about dreaming and dream logic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's so. why I like also that the aliens in this like are pretty alien, which is why we're so confused by them. It's like, what game are they running? You know, war games, I guess. But uh, yeah, but, <laughs> how does this the, work? Well, the thing is, I mean, if they really didn't want the, the humans to, to go there, then why didn't they just show them Oh, they all got blown up. Every single one of them got killed in in the initial attack. Right. Why did there was there all that side? It's like wasn't there a Simpsons episode where it was like why was all where were all those side characters in there? Well, yeah, it's, it's like why did joke. this whole drama play out when you could have just <laughs> put the thought in your mind directly? I mean, these aliens are probably the closest thing we have to uh, the Talosians from Star Trek. Their sole defense is mental, and so. They like glass cases. You're saying these these attacks could not have ever possibly have happened because those hawks were never real in the first place. (laughs) They're (laughs) real if you believe in them. And this discovery ship is back from, uh, was it Alpha Child? 
painted in Discovery colors mm-hmm. this time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The one that goes, oh, I must be the Discovery from 2001. And there was like, no, it's not. <laughs> it was uh, based on it, but not not exactly yeah. the same thing. But yeah. That I think was, we see uh... it once or twice more later on. Spoiler alert. Just <laughs> <laughs> too good of a model not to I mean, reuse, right? Yeah. The the thing where Martin Board was listed is, I think, comes back for like 15 total episodes. And we've seen him in about six. So there's going to mm-hmm. be more of his stuff, which great. I don't know. Look great. Ships look great. Explosions. You know, maybe yeah, a mixed bag, orange. but they generally look great. Good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was generally a very nice looking episode. It was just kind of sometimes it just felt like stuff blowing up for the yeah, sake of put the money on the screen. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Blowed up like, stuff real good. Here's stuff we blowed up real good. You like it's space. We blew up. I, I had to roll my eyes at the nuclear stock footage. It's like really stuff <laughs> yeah. was so cliche. Even in 1975, yeah. it was so cliche. Watching yeah, the exactly. model of Future City go down was pretty exciting, though. That kind of made yeah. Watching work. that model blow up was pretty cool. <laughs> Sad at the same time. You don't you don't want to watch. Except apparently up. the one building they were still standing in at the very end. Because <laughs> well, they, I assume they were under some rubble there. You know, maybe something survived. They can rebuild. Well, there's like an elevator took them down from the platform. So I guess maybe they were underground. I don't know. Again, like the Telosians. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> of course, why would they have the uh, space needles and stuff to start with? if They're living underground, but whatever. Uh, maybe that was welcome center. Because aliens that they do actually want to come and visit can enjoy it. <laughs> that's like what if it's just everybody except for earth earthlings like everything else like the guys from what am i thinking the caldorians are down the street you know they can come anytime they're cool in their robes and their wigs and stuff yeah yeah i was like i can't could remember the name of a single alien race in this because i'd be like a lot of a lot of them you get names of guys but you don't get the uh the race names as much yeah speaking of the caldorians that whole brain center they sat in was apparently lots of stuff left over from um earthbound <laughs> makes sense essentially that 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 yeah space brains that's something that uh i don't know might come up again brains i do space. possibly i do believe brain. possibly one of those two episodes that i mentioned will have the writer and the director <laughs> of this episode coming back you think maybe yeah it seems to be a, a motif they like to revisit <laughs> from time to time it's like no, no. Listen here, it's it's a brain. It's in space. I don't know, I'm just like assigning them Cockney accents for some reason. Um, they 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 because they hire people for a shilling and a shine. Uh, or it's a shilling and a shine for a space brain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you write a story about a space brain, and we'll give you a shilling and a shine. Yeah. Well, um. What did you guys, how did you guys take the whole thing where he sort of tells the aliens that, that humans will survive because of God? <laughs> that didn't sit me, me super well. Well, that's kind of a, one of the things about the first season is that the writers kind of acknowledge that a lot of really improbable things are happening to this moon <laughs> and these people. Yeah. And they start to try to weave it in. And that's kind of them acknowledging it. Like there's something out there. And in the fandom, I think it's called the Mysterious Unknown Force, MUF. There's something out there guiding the Alpin's journey. And that kind of comes to a head at the end of the season. So, okay. (laughs) I know that's that's interesting. That interests me. I'm more than, 
just uh him being Which, kind of cocky and sounding it's a kind little of uh, little Battlestar Galactica reboot when you think about it because it seems like they follow a certain destiny in Battlestar Galactica you know things happen for a reason there's some metaphysical level to it and uh, I think that comes Jesus. from this series I, I think that hmm. um um Ronald D Moore acknowledges it the opening credits of Battlestar Galactica very similar to the opening credits of season one space 1999 if you ever noticed there's a montage of scenes from that episode at the beginning of every episode of Battlestar Galactica <laughs> that yeah came we from here <laughs> we just had that that uh discussion last week and I said that I don't like that because I don't want to know things and I had time and I always skip the credits <laughs> well then don't watch Battlestar Galactica Mark <laughs> I'll just skip the I'll skip the credits no no problem well, well you've been warned okay I'm on record that I like it because I don't care that much about getting spoiled. And especially when it's like part of the structure of the show. It's like I understand that I understand the desire to get hyped up for things, but sometimes I'm just like I want to be blindsided. Especially stuff like last week's episode where it was just a maniac running around with a weird outfit. Yeah, the flash forwards at the beginning definitely made it clear like this guy's going to be a maniac, which I don't know. I guess you could get surprised by that. I, mean, I was uh, kind of until like, here's a bunch of explosions followed by yeah. the explosions you see every week. <laughs> no, no, this this was punctuated immediately. Koenig says we're at war, wartime. It's time for war. Like it's just um, yeah, that, that I've name dropping the war. Yeah, he's a hawk now. He is the <laughs> hawk. Um, yeah, the, the that was the whole thing I've noticed. Brian is that Koenig always knows exactly what's happening. So. Anytime that he said, like last week's episode, he said something like, I don't know if I trust that uh, Balor. And then immediately I was like, yep, he's a bad guy. And he says, we're at war in this. <laughs> I'm like, we're at war. That's it. He knows. He knows I everything. Listen to that episode before I came here. Didn't have time because I really wanted to hear what you guys had to say about it. <laughs> um, I think it we was had just a lot the two of, of you talking or about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was just us. I think we had fun talking about it. Yeah. Um, what was I? Oh yeah, I, I do one positive thing. Uh, despite the violence, you know, Voyager Janeway wants to blow up the ship all the time. Lower deck Shax wants to eject the warp core. All these guys want to do is Operation Exodus, which does make more sense. <laughs> yeah, it's but it's it's almost like uh, I don't know. It's scarier in this because even though we compare this to Star Trek constantly, uh, everything in Star Trek except Voyager has basically kind of a support system and even voyager they have engines they they, they end up turn. they end up being much more social with other aliens i mean after the first couple of seasons than space 1999 does so like this space 1999 is just like the keeps getting turned down for a date to the prom over and over kind of yeah the you know, right? have no friends have no friends if anybody has anybody who's pretended to be their friend generally has ended up being a murderer you have zero you know? facebook friends i guess the earthbound people are <laughs> the, the friendliest but they're they went put themselves in the stasis so yeah they and and uh you know they democratically they they left and took the worst person with them sort of so they did he died yeah <laughs> I'm so glad they stopped the Sidons from going to Earth and destroying it because they probably would have shown up at the same time as the Kaldorians. <laughs> yeah, that would have been awesome. Kaldorians would be like, welcome, welcome to Earth. And then the next thing you know, the Voyager comes along and says, oh, hi. 
There he is. <laughs> See, I'm starting to think that talking about all this stuff interacting kind of makes me think maybe someone should do a reboot of this. You could take some of these plot elements and weave them together in interesting ways. So, what would you yeah. call the reboot? What would be the name of the reboot? Space twenty nine ninety nine. Someone was going to do that for a while. Someone was actually oh. trying to do a, a reboot of Space nineteen ninety nine called Space twenty ninety nine, but it didn't oh, materialize. Yeah. Oh man, it's like think, maybe it'll happen about it, someday. Three D print everything. Still do the models, but just three D print everything, and you could do like crazy stuff. Just. <laughs> Every no one in this day and age, people would totally appreciate it. Nobody would complain about it. I mean, Team America World Police is a beloved favorite, which looks worse than Thunderbirds. Boy, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, he talked to Jamie Anderson. He was not a fan of Team America. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, I remember that. He saw it a bit of a bit of a laugh at his father's work. You think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I probably right. didn't didn't chip in anything either. But, I mean, I can, I can appreciate <laughs> that that vibe. You know, I mean, not I was just saying, not everyone loves it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not a classic, and it's also kind of obnoxious about the politics and. Um, also, they just would do things like uh, the the whole reason that they take a crap on Michael Moore is extremely petty and has nothing to do with anything of Michael Moore's politics. Well, I mean, give it a few decades and a lot of politically charged works. I mean, there are some universal things like if you're watching like a, you know, a movie about like the salt of the earth that, that we watched that yeah. about the strike. That was, that's still, well, we watched that during a strike. It made perfect sense. But then, yeah. you know, some of the more geopolitical stuff, uh, you know, ethical stuff ages weirdly as we found out from watching Rod Serling's Carol for an, from a, another Christmas. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I, I mean, you can see where it has a good vibe, but you're like not sure what they're trying to say anymore. Well, it's just sort of a thing where it's it's a weird thing where it's boomers trying to convince boomers of things that now boomers are using as justification for going to war in Afghanistan or something. Again, the politics age weirdly is, is the point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh... I mean, you know, uh, Space 1999's an, enough of its own... Uh metaphysical arts or whatever that it doesn't get very political at least just metaphysically it doesn't weird. i don't i don't know what the politics are here it's just don't don't well, be afraid how these aliens would have reacted to um peter sellers from carol for another christmas <laughs> he came strolling <laughs> in been, there talking about the individual me <laughs> you'd be like you're not afraid at all we love you <laughs> <laughs> i get along with them it's true, it's true. Uh, yeah the, this could have used just another pass and another pass on the script. Um, apparently, ITC 70s. rejected rejected this script completely when they first got it because someone had to explain to them that it gets retconned and it's not like the destruction and killing of almost everyone in the sh on Moonbase Alpha because they didn't get it. Like they thought this was canon. All the stuff that happened. In well, the they hadn't seen Year from Hell yet, so they didn't understand the concept of hitting the reset button. <laughs> yeah. They didn't do it in a time no. travel way, though. They, they didn't like, go back and change history or something. It just was an illusion. I was about to say they do it in a yeah. Wayne's World way with the wavy lines. I know there's something. Yeah, I know there's something. There is an episode of something that does this exact thing, and I cannot remember it. And I don't know if it's Star Trek or something else. 
It's like, and that's a good reason why you don't remember it because you know, a lot of people There's think it's a, a really cheesy plot device. It's just, <laughs> oh, everything yeah. goes back to normal when, well, that happens in most episodic television. I think anybody going into this would sign semi-major characters passing away, let alone half the bases. Is okay, this is got to be reset somehow you know is this this. first hard reset i think we haven't done the hard reset so i mean 17 episodes uh, and i guess you get one i don't yeah, know about I, that. I guess so i mean they got an atmosphere then the atmosphere was taken away from them yeah they all went down you... to Piri, but then they all came back and brought all their consoles with them so they could put them back in main mission where they belong <laughs> another time another place does that count since they like had another uh, yeah, of them okay, that yeah. got reset. I don't know that that we still don't really know how if in any way that fits into some sort of overall chronology because I don't think anybody was trying to make a overall chronology of a, a I mean, through plot line through the series. That's that's the, it's very episodic and so it's very disjointed. You can't really figure out what went where. But but yeah, I don't think this counts as a reset because it was just they were aliens were forcing them to play a VR game basically. And a VR game that didn't make any sense, really. Yeah, and only two people. And they only yeah. and they didn't remember it for more than about half a second, just long enough to say, hold your fire. <laughs> I guess they're smart enough to know that that people listen to Koenig and wouldn't just be like, I'm going to shoot him anyway. I don't care what you say. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I, uh, I, don't, I don't like the fact the script calls for Koenig to be ultra belligerent, even though he has a good reason to be... <laughs> And yeah, it it's like... getting more like that. It's just, um, even though it, I love the the chance for Martin Lando and Barbara Bain to just scream a whole lot, and and I think Bain gets more screaming in this episode. Oh, yeah, God. I was about to say she's so a much screaming. screaming. In this one, <laughs> I, I wrote what did I write? And wailing, a lot I wrote, of wailing. I wrote yeah. Elena is not being cool as a cucumber, <laughs> whereas Koenig seems primed for the major Tom trip, especially the the end of it, as we see in Bowie's Black Star video. Yeah, but again. The only reason he had to confront his fear of death was because the aliens blew up his ship. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. This doesn't, but this then doesn't he, work. so he becomes cool with death. But then since Helena wants to put him back the way he was, he's, he's fearful of death again, which is why he shoots the blaster and destroys the world. Am I reading that correctly? Also, he shoots the blaster before he pays any concern at all to work to whether Helen, Helen is okay. Or where she is, then he starts screaming, <laughs> and it's like he's blew everything up, and then starts yelling, "Where, where are you?" <laughs> you know, uh, um, that was pretty amazing. One shot actually killed the entire planet. Is that supposed I mean, to be a metaphor? I think like he's just one bit of violence. Yeah, I'm, was I'm one single brain, sure that is supposed to be a metaphor. Like, look at what you did to us innocent aliens who definitely didn't murder 131 people. No, their own minds murdered the 131 people. Well, that's, but they that's, didn't tell him that until after he shot all of their that's what I like about made episodes, the though. hawks real and then their lasers were real and they really killed themselves that's, with their that's minds. How they manifested, or something. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, the Ghostbusters thing where, where you end up with the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. So they thought of hawks. <laughs> that would have been much better <laughs> if they thought of... A, if only Zool were there, it would explain the whole thing. But that's... I. See, I like an episode like this where we get together and it's like, oh, I kind of watched a different episode than you did, even though we watched the same episode. I like that. Well, yeah, it's yeah. it's it was so densely packed with weird dialogue that it's kind of 
you kind of have to interpret it differently. Like I said, I'm, and, I've I've read some of the new agey books, and I can see that, like, I think the writers of this had read some of that stuff, like the Carlos Castaneda stuff with, you know, or with Don Juan or uh, some of the Seth stuff with, you know, like, you create your own reality. I, I just feel like the writers of this had probably at least uh, read the cliff notes of a few of those. And I feel, see, I was reading those concepts into this, but hey, you don't have to, you know, you could just see, like, these aliens as being pricks and torturing people, too, which is also <laughs> interesting. But I, I see the Alphans as torturing themselves in this episode. Uh, that makes sense. I I just um, when someone throws out stuff like it's your fear and kind of fixates on that, then I immediately start picking apart the logic on that. Which what did you guys uh, think of Victor in this episode? He was kind of all over the map. <laughs> yeah, uh, you mentioned a speech earlier, and my note about that is uh, Victor's speech is somewhere right in between profound and bizarre. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And heartfelt goodbye to Alpha and to those people who find this place remember us well. And then in the beginning, he's the one egging him on. It's like it's intact, John. Alpha's wide open. And then later on, he's sitting in the eagle right after the speech, going, "Well, I don't know if we have any future at all." It's like pick a lane, Victor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely I like the that... uh, empty the the one console. Um, the one console mm -hmm. main mission is cool because Brian here has how many consoles are back there? At least four. <laughs> cool. For those in the podcast, I have my main mission backdrop going here. Look what's on the screen. Oh, yep, yep. It's the first branding we've done, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was going to say, uh, I did notice that, that Victor was very... He seemed really and any of the reaction shots when they were sort of going to war and Eagles would land a shot somewhere. There was always a weird cut to to Victor and a couple other people looking really happy that that uh, they got, which seemed really inappropriate, considering that they were definitely taking much damage. They're sort of like. Yeah, I, I don't know. One thing Some I would be confused by. One thing I would be confused by is why didn't they send all non-essential personnel underground a whole lot sooner? <laughs> like immediately. Yeah, you don't need the outer yeah, technicians why? there to get, you know, depressurized when there's clearly several attack vessels coming in. You know, move them underground now. Oh, but that did look really cool whenever we got depressurized. Oh, look, oh yeah, okay, that's why it happened. Koenig was like, oh, I'll look <laughs> a lot cooler if I just wait and we watch yeah. people fly out the uh, bulkheads. <laughs> Yeah, like in the last sunset, there there wasn't really a good narrative reason to have them take that canister inside and then have it blow up and shoot gas everywhere, except it looked really cool. See, in the last sunset, I really did feel like the aliens were kind of torturing them, psychologically torturing the the Alphans. Whereas this one, well, I, yeah, I, I was going dumped to be a like... bunch of hallucinogenic fungi on their planet what could happen what could go they, wrong they, it's like they, that was for the party they're like you could drift through <laughs> and party on these things have a blast this is for the party i suppose uh, to have a rave or something yeah. the, the spores yeah. were not actually from the aliens um paul had been harvesting uh, not not paul he he finds them so uh alan had been oh. uh raising a little crop on on the side <laughs> yeah that makes sense um, maybe thought, some science experiment that was tossed out the window at some point. Just, not a science experiment. That's a stash. It just hit his drug. He hit his drugs when they were just leaving Earth and they mutated. Um, got no, the surface of the moon. I, I think that one kind of worked better because the aliens didn't really like 
tip their hand until the very end. And this is sort of, <clears throat> they show up kind of right away and start saying stuff about fear that doesn't yeah, they, necessarily they make sense. A, they live in a weird multicolored glass museum in this one. I mean, yeah, I mean, it looks great. Everything in this looks, looks great. No complaints about that. But just, um, it's more of kind of the psychobabble from the, um, from collision course where it's sort of just a bunch of talk about things that don't don't necessarily add up and it could have it's could have made sense you could just replace some of the dialogue with some other dialogue even if the dialogue was like we hate you we will mm -hmm. kill you if you do not leave get out get out of here right now yeah i kind of <laughs> compared them sense. i compared them to the telosians but they have totally different motivation there's like you know, GTFO, we don't want you around. We're at the television. Yeah. Like, we're going to lure you in and use you as slave labor or something until we yeah. are convinced otherwise. So, yeah, so it was a different take in that regard. But I don't know if we have anybody else in the series so far that's been quite so alien. I mean, some people are, one of the criticisms is like, these people talk exactly like you should not have aliens talk, which was a very, you know, kind of monotone. Yeah. We do not want you humans, you know. Yeah, dialect, and it's like, why did you make that choice? Couldn't you get a little? I guess they're supposed to be emotionalist <laughs> or something, right? Beyond. Yeah, it, I mean, because they looked good. I mean, like compared to the other aliens in this series, a lot of aliens are just guys with no makeup also, <laughs> or just dressed strangely. Glass cases that made them seem kind of like toys, so it seemed like. Okay, if they sounded like stereotypical aliens, it's like it's like the toys and Toy Story talking to you. But yeah, you th but but the the main issue I had, and I keep going back to this, but it's like basically they are talking about how humans are going to mess everything up, but they're showing how humans would react to being like psychologically and physically destroyed. And yeah. um, I don't um, and if and they're warning, they're warning alien, they're warning humans. This is what will happen if you come into our orbit. It's it's sort of like it's like the thing where somebody's just like winding their fists up and walking towards you and be like, "Not my fault if you get hit." It's exactly that. Except we're, we're going to push all your buttons to prove our point. <laughs> yeah, because because like even if it's in a whatever hallucination, nobody's killed a third of the people on Alpha so far this entire series. So they're you know, um. And maybe if they'd shown them a future where they don't attack them, oh, with with ships that are That's from the their own the mind, series. where they don't, yeah, it's like they they, okay, yeah, the the ships were from their own mind, but they wouldn't exist if the aliens. Ha oh God, I don't know. Why you know, wouldn't they just sent them a fruit basket or something? And just say it's nice to meet you, but we really don't need you guys moving here. Bye. Right. And it also, you know, conveniently, the next the next solar solar, solar system is like six months away. Victor said, "Where again, you know, they ignore the vast distances in interstellar space. It's like every few months we pass by another planet." You know, <laughs> think about how awesome this episode would be if the way that it happened was the humans show up. They're like, "Hey, welcome," and everything's cool. And then I don't know, Koenig accidentally pushes that button. And it blows up all the stuff. And then then we cut to the end where it's like, see, this is what would happen if we like. So you, wanna, you wanna see a Mr. Magoo it. <laughs> yeah, why not? Or Wesley Crusher. Yeah, Wesley Crusher it. Um, Shut up, Wesley. 
let's talk our percentages. How much of this is existential dread? How much of it is sci-fi fun? Oh, That's God. a rough one, really, because yeah. it's supposedly kind of all existential dread. I think <laughs> yeah. it's supposed. It's the end of everything again. Uh, <laughs> in the worst <laughs> possible scenario, we get it. Uh, but there's a lot of sci-fi fun in the budget with the spaceships and everything. I mean, again, the episode gets high marks for its uh, effects and stuff going on here. It's just spectacular to watch all these uh, battles and stuff. But in the end, it's more like you have no place in space at all. <laughs> that's like, damn, that's a sick burn, man. Well, they got a place on the moon. Well, are they in contact with these other intelligent forces that are apparently guiding them? Apparently not. They didn't get the memo that they have some sort of destiny, apparently. Well, if someone comes by and you hear they have a destiny, but you don't like them, you, you might try and get them out of your house as quickly as possible. Does their destiny concern us? No. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess I'm putting this mostly because of what you just said. Like, yeah, it's all existential dread, but there's so many cool ships and explosions. That's that's an 80-20 for me, I think. 80 dread, 20 cool explosions and models and orange eagles called hawks. Yeah, that's, that's, that's I'd call that pretty good. That's what I was already going to say. So, yeah, I agree with that. Okay. You can, Let's yeah, make it you unanimous. 80-20. 80-20. Yeah, because sometimes we have wildly different numbers, so it's kind of interesting. Like I said, I it's like we mostly. watch different episodes, but as far as the actual tone, it comes out about the same. Yeah, this, it's hard not to watch watch this and feel kind of anxious. <laughs> this is just just bad, bad, bad things happening. Did did you feel cheated in the end though that it was a reset? Oh yeah, my notes turned into all caps right at that point. Like WDF, why? Yeah, exactly. Um, but notes but everyone hates humans. Maybe they should meditate more. So was it all more profound or nonsensical? So I at least picked up that there was some nonsense going on. Existential it's, nonsense. I, I think the aliens nonsense. coming on screen and explaining themselves at least made it a little bit more legitimate, but still, I mean, it wouldn't have made the 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 best thing about this episode. I can say the best thing I could say about this episode was I thought they were going to not reset. So I thought they were really just going to keep the hundred thirty people dead and continue on with their space mission. If it had been yeah, but that's that's the thing is that at least I was not just cynically sitting there like, oh, come on, this isn't really going to stick. Come on. Like, I mean, even even a lot of Star Trek does I that. I think that's because like, yeah, they don't just... off any actual main characters except for the, um, is, is he a nurse or a secondary doctor? I don't remember. But uh, yeah, because he gets blown out. And we see him every week. Dr. Otherwise, Matthias? Yeah, yeah, there we go. But otherwise... I, yeah, that's kind of low stakes killing him off, right? Because yeah. he could be gone forever. So you think, okay, maybe that's his exit, but... Because near the end of the episode, <laughs> everyone's in main mission, you know? Like all the regulars and some extras. It looks... And they make a point mission. of Helena calling them saying, false alarm, Bob, just to make sure you know that he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. so Bob lives to to Bob another day. Yes. Uh, I guess we'll shut this one down unless someone has some final thunks on it. Well, um, you know what? You know what you should be afraid of? People who don't have any fear. They're really scary. Like Daredevil? I don't know if you've... I mean, just like somebody who drinks a ton of whiskey and then drives their car and then 
that's different than gets fear, married right? in Vegas to someone they don't know and then starts just shooting up the place and then pisses all over the bar where all the dead corpses are and then <laughs> okay. apologizes for nothing <laughs> <last night. laughs> this is called a riff uh, <laughs> i don't know what i'm talking about but yeah generally from what i've seen people who ex- I, fear is there for a reason it's a useful emotion i don't not i'm not i'm far from the first person to say this but i think that that um even though fear is treated very negatively in this country where we're supposed to be super ambitious all the time and go go for the gold and and you know grab the brass ring etc it exists for a reason and is a useful notion and uh it's important to remember that sometimes because, you know, fear world without is... fear would be just impossible or too boring well, or or we'd all I mean, get wiped out by the first aliens that came along with their eagles <laughs> what if we, like a world our... without f- fear would be what what is that dune because it's the mind killer mm. oh right yes know. the mind killer the little death that brings total oblivion well it certainly was the in mind... this episode mind killer yeah it was fear this could have just been called fear is the mind killer uh anyway what about the idea that you recognize your fear put it aside and then make a rational decision because that's you're not of course be, okay you're I mean, not gonna be i'm not saying that i'm not saying that yeah, I'm not saying that you should take your fear and wear it on your sleeve at all times, but you know, it sometimes it helps. You know, and just their, maybe their fear makes them make bad decisions. And this once Conan gets his fear back, his first thought is to blast and then look for Helena, like you said, which is extremely um, non-practical. But you could also, you wouldn't really be able to blame him if he just blasts them because they're jerks and he wanted revenge. So I guess revenge is probably more bad than fear is actually. Yeah. I did have one other observation. Um, mm-hmm. It's courtesy of uh, 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 John Kenneth Muir in his book, Exploring Space 1999, points out that uh, Helena is like a magical being. She's like space Jesus because she keeps resurrecting Koenig over and over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matter of life and death. Everything blows up. The moon blows up. And she just wishes it all back to the way it was. That's, <laughs> That's a good exactly point. exactly what happened in this episode. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. She's uh, space, Jesus. Uh, yeah. Another time, another place, there was some, at least the the other Helena. Okay, now I'm, now I'm starting to break my brain remembering exactly what happened in that episode. I think the other one died because this one was alive. But then Koenig didn't die, but the other Koenig died. I think, anyway... It's fun to watch Mark try and ruined everything. I've ruined everything. Uh, Yes, I think. uh, Also, um, really cool outfit when she was in that glass case, that lavender, flowy suit. Big part. That's where part of the budget went. Yeah, yeah. Those costumes. At least they recycle the uh, alien makeup uh, next season. Hint, hint. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. We are back to tell you. Hey, remember not to be afraid. Okay. You're talking I, I, about. I thought you were about to do the plug that way. You could do the plug that way. No, no, I'm not doing the plug that way. We are podcastio, podcastios of Patreon. You could support us, support us, support us. We do this. We talk about the Twilight Zone on Time Enough Podcasts, really good movies, really bad movies on Films and Filth, coming out of the monotone, doing video games. Oh, just Pokemon. up. Hyrule Field Report, game, game show. Sorry, slow down for the show. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Brian, you got anything to plug? 
Um, I never have anything to plug. I just sit here. Asking. I just sit here yeah. at main mission, waiting for them to call next call from you guys. All right. He he put our plug on his wall. You can see it back there if you're watching. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, my screen isn't quite that. Oh, my vision isn't quite that good. But I, yeah, I okay, on, I can see it. See, I put on my Koenig uh, shirt so I can sit in Koenig's desk and cosplay for anybody who finds this on youtube later <laughs> nice i'm, I'm like... wearing my balor black outfit <laughs> i got balor. the same. i got my joy division t-shirt back oh, oh yeah. cool it's a long sleevey i feel like we've been talking Ooh. about something for the past hour but i can't quite put my finger on it beer Know it enough to teach it Faith in it enough to preach it You find it where your heart lies High enough where the condor flies It's his dances here and now Feet is all you need to Nothing hides under this moon Doesn't go by any name Knows what I want but not the same Don't waste your time by flying blind Without the search you still shall find Existence is here and now Feet is all you need to Nothing hides under this moon Right, but got what will burn up the night. This is done here and now. Feet is all you need to. Nothing hides under the spoon. It burns while it makes bamboo. Boom. Mm-hmm.